Huckabee is brought to you in part by Trivita.com, helping you experience greater wellness. Tonight on Huckabee, the unity of Tim Scott and Trey Gowdy. Duo Transcend flies high on the trapeze. And Lee Greenwood celebrates America. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filbury. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! And welcome to a special 4th of July edition of The Huckabee Show with some of our most patriotic moments that we've aired in our first 143 episodes. Now, I think you're going to love tonight's show because we're going to introduce you to some great Americans. Some you know, some you're going to be glad that you will meet. Well, this weekend, we celebrate 244 years as an independent nation. But the events of the past few months make me wonder if we're going to have many more to celebrate. We started as a unique country based on the notion that our rights come from God, not from government. And that's because we recognize God as creator of all of us. And that means we're all equal in intrinsic worth and value. That we would not require some big government because we would mostly self-govern and live with the understanding that the great freedoms that we enjoy require great responsibilities. As it says in the scripture, unto whom much is given, much is required. We were never perfect. We still aren't. We've had some pretty ugly chapters in our history, but the brilliance of our founders was to create a nation who would be governed by law and not by our passions and emotions. We would grant rights even to those accused of awful crimes so that we wouldn't be ruled by a mob whose sense of justice would be at best uneven and at worst as evil as the crime it was seeking to avenge. It made our system at times a little slow, sometimes unfair, and just plain wrong on occasion. But the ideal was to make all of us accountable to the same laws and suffer the same consequences for violating them. All of that is at risk of going away if we allow people in the highest levels of law enforcement and the intelligence community to get away with trying to stage a coup d'etat against an elected president. A man of color in Minneapolis was murdered by a cop, and a video of the murder was seen by the world. While no one defends the cop's actions, some use the tragedy as an excuse to break windows, assault innocent people, loot stores and burn businesses that were actually owned by people of color. And when that happens, we're rewarding anarchy and mob rule. But while the news reports the worst of our nation's sins, there are some truly outstanding things of love, kindness, and sacrifice that are happening around us every day. And we need to hear more of their stories. And tonight, you will. I hope that you will celebrate America this weekend. And sure, we aren't perfect but we are a lot better nation than any of the over 70 places on earth, various countries that I visited. 244 years ago, some very courageous souls risked their fortunes and their very lives to give us a country unlike any other ever created.
I don't want to lose this country to those who would trade liberty for the lunacy of a system that would resemble the government like it was in the time of the judges of the Old Testament, where every man did what was right in his own eyes. Let's celebrate America, but let's fight to preserve the best of it and change and reform the worst of it. I think we all agree that 2020 has been a tumultuous year. We've weathered a formerly unknown virus and then wrestled with the killing of George Floyd and the protests and pain that resulted. But in the midst of our public struggles with violence, race, and reaction, I want to recall a moment five years ago where something completely unexpected happened. In the wake of a church shooting in Charleston, South Carolina, people of all colors and backgrounds came together to overcome such ugly violence and to create a climate of unity and healing. Here's my interview with two political leaders from South Carolina, Senator Tim Scott and former Congressman Trey Gowdy to find out how it all happened. You guys have co-authored a book that, I mean, I think it's fascinating in light of the contentious atmosphere that Washington has and it's about being unified, about finding ways to solve problems. I'm not sure there's a lot of people in Washington who are talking about what you're talking about in the book about being unified and problem solving. Why not? I think we talk about it. We talk about it privately. Uh, Senator Scott and I both have a number of friends on the other side of the aisle. Uh, Most of us get along pretty well when the cameras are off. But Governor, we are in an environment now where winning is the only thing that matters. Hmm. And uh, they want President Trump to be a one-term president. They want to beat him whenever he's up for re-election. It's all about being the speaker or having the committee uh, chair gavels in your hand. And uh, I mean, I hate to beat up on the media, although I'm happy to come back on another time (laughs) and do that. I'll go ahead, Uh, beat them up. Okay, since you insist. um, You know, this, this should be an investigation about what Russia did to us, but it is an obsession with collusion for which no evidence has been presented except You've seen no evidence, and you've seen a lot of stuff that we haven't seen. There's no member of Congress who's seen more than I have, and trust me, if collusion evidence existed, Adam Schiff would have leaked it a long time ago. (laughs) So then they pivoted to obstruction of justice, um, and now, as Senator Scott pointed out, they're looking at public tweets. Um, I, I think defending this country from foreign attacks is very unifying. When it gets into trying to delegitimize someone who won the, won the Electoral College, that's where the division comes in. Yeah. All right, Senator, the book is unified, and it talks about your personal friendships with each other. Yeah. Um, why is that important to you, to have the kind of friendship and, and relationship with a congressman that you guys have? Yeah, we both come from the deep south, South Carolina. And when we were born, growing up as kids, we would not have been able to play together. We would not have been able to go to the same restaurant or sleep in the same hotels. But so much has changed. And our country sometimes is fixated on the things that divide us. One of the things that we saw after the Charleston shooting mm. is that God blessed us to live, breathe, and evolve in South Carolina. And our state has evolved in such tremendous ways that after a racially motivated shooting, the leaders of the state came together, black and white, joining hands, uniting our state and I believe our nation after nine family members came forward and forgave the killer of their family. If we can unite and be unified after such an atrocity, 
There's hope everywhere. Congressman, that event was seminal in South Carolina. But what happened in South Carolina, rather than riots and fights and divisions, was people came together for reconciliation. Why was it different there? I don't know, but it sure was. And it uh, not only affected, I mean, lay politics aside, from a faith standpoint, from all the things that matter in life, to have nine people who, who, who did exactly what Jesus told them to do. Welcome in a stranger. Mm. We're going to pray with you. We're going to pray for you. And the whole time he is sitting there knowing, knowing with malice aforethought that I am going to kill as many of you as I possibly can. Mm. You talk about premeditated capital penalty eligible murder. And the very first thing the family members do is say, I forgive you. Mm. I could not do it. Um, I would not do it. And mm. that may make me a bad Christian and so be it. Uh, but they did it. And they looked into the, to the eyes of a man who wanted to start a race war in my state. Mm. And because of the way they responded to a tragedy that most of us cannot fathom, it had exactly the opposite impact. And Senator, you're from the Low Countries. Charleston's your home. Absolutely. My uh, uncle, <clears throat> my uncle attended that church for 50 plus years. Mm. And Clemente Pinckney, the pastor of the church, was, was a friend of mine. And uh, I remember the first text that he had sent me. Uh, he was one of the first people to call me Senator back mm. in 2012, December. And uh, he wanted tickets to the president, President Obama's inauguration. And I also have the, the last tweet that he didn't answer. Mm. Are you and your parishioners okay? Mm. To watch my community come together and demonstrate to the world that life can be better with hope in Jesus. That nine family members whose lives had not been interrupted, but devastated, did not come forth with anger, but they remembered somehow in the midst of their challenges, in the depth of their loss, they remembered Matthew 5:44. They remembered the concept of loving your enemies hmm. and praying for those who persecute you. And when that happened, I think 36 hours, it happened 36 hours after the murder, the murders, to have one member after another member after another member come live on a screen looking into the killer's eyes. The world stopped and said, what just happened in Charleston? Hmm. The place where the Civil War started in Charleston. And you saw the coverage on newspapers and TV screens that forgiveness, I think, evaded an eruption and instead became the salve that heals the wound. Uh, I spoke with uh, Daniel Simmons Jr., whose father was murdered that day. A week after the murder, I was going on the Senate floor to talk about it. And he, I said, sir, is there anything you want me to share? And he said, with enthusiasm and energy, he said, yes. 
please share Romans 8, 28, that somehow, someway, all these things work, work, will work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I was flabbergasted. I mean, the people of Charleston, and specifically that church, probably gave the greatest lesson to America in my lifetime of grace, forgiveness, reconciliation. The book that you guys have put together is really um, an analysis, not just of the Charleston shooting, but of the broader, more universal need for a unity in America, for friendship, for people getting to know each other as the two of you have. Uh, maybe it may seem like you're unlikely cohorts, but you've developed a tight, close bond. Why can't that happen more often in politics? It can, um, and uh, you know, we do have differences. Some, some <laughs> folks say, well, you're both from South Carolina, you're both Republicans, what could you possibly not have in common? Uh, we don't do our hair the same way. Now, let me just say <laughs> to your audience, <laughs> Please explain to me how this happened. <laughs> yeah, literally, I don't, know, I don't fully understand that. Divine but, intervention. Uh, divine intervention, he says. All right. We have different faith perspectives. We have different perspectives on political issues. Uh, contrast is good. I enjoy contrast. Conflict is debilitating. And, and, and I think most of my fellow citizens know the difference between I pull for the Cowboys, you pull for the Giants or the Packers, and having a fractured relationship where you question the motives, the patriotism, and everything else, and someone with whom you disagree, we got to find a way uh, to dial down the conflict. Would we do better if we turned the cameras off in Washington more often, didn't televise as many things, didn't give people a sense that they had to go in front of the cameras and, and, and preen and, and, and make their points before TV for their audiences to get all revved up? Absolutely, positively, unequivocally, yes. Mm. There's no doubt that if the cameras were off, you'd have more real people having real conversations that lead to real progress. I got a great idea. We'll just get rid of the cameras in Washington. We'll have everybody watch my show on television, on TBN, and there you go. I second that motion. Is there a, a great idea? We'll introduce the bill when we go by. <laughs> yes, sir. I want to thank both of you. My, my heartfelt thanks to Senator Tim Scott, Congressman Trey Gowdy. On this 4th of July weekend, we should all pray that the same spirit that captured the hearts of the great people of South Carolina will bring us together to find our solutions with police reform, the COVID challenge, and anything else that may come our way as a nation. All right, Keith Bilbrey, why don't you tell everybody how to get a copy of Senator Scott and Representative Gowdy's powerful book. Well, you can get your copy of Unified, How Our Unlikely Friendship Gives Us Hope for a Divided Country at Amazon or wherever books are sold. While you're at it, order a copy of The Friendship Challenge, a six-week guide to true reconciliation, one friendship at a time. You can also follow Senator Tim Scott at Senator Tim Scott and follow Trey Gowdy at T. Gowdy SC. Coming up, there's more reasons to celebrate our nation here on Huckabee. Next, Arthur Taya Kyle shares profiles and courage. Acrobats duo Transcend take to the trapeze in our studio. And Wink Martindale and Lee Greenwood share salutes to America.
next week. Matthew Barnett is healing live to the Dream Center. And Robert G. Lee is locked and loaded funny. And welcome back to the 4th of July weekend tribute. Since the passing of U.S. Navy SEAL Chris Kyle, his wife, Taya Kyle, has become an author and political commentator. She visited our show to share her collection of stories on heroes in our nation. Well, the story of my next guest's late husband, Navy SEAL Chris Kyle, was told in the hit film, American Sniper. Since his murder, she's carried on his legacy of helping service members through the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation. She's got a brand new book, and it is a masterpiece. It's called American Spirit, Profiles in Resilience, Courage, and Faith. It's a true honor to welcome a dear friend, Taya Kyle. Taya, so nice to have you here. Thank you. I am amazed that you can be prolific with a book like this because this is the story of great Americans that many people have never heard of. If people are down on the country or if yeah. they think that we're falling apart and there's no hope for us, I, I, I tell you, read your book, yep. The American Spirit, and, and you'll say, you know, there's a lot of good America still out there. Right, and I think one of the things that's interesting about this is I stayed completely away from politics. You have no idea in these stories what their politics are. And I think that's an intriguing element to it so that people can say, what would happen if for just a minute we set that aside and just treated each other as human beings and neighbors and said, I see your pain, I'm here to show up and help you. It's, it's incredible. How'd you get the idea for this book? So I was out doing speaking engagements across the country, and of course, I was on the news with you a couple times, yeah. and I was listening to the news, and I thought, but there's this other dynamic that I'm seeing out here where people would come to me and tell me of their hardships, and they'd tell me about other people who showed up for them, or how they turned their hardship into this work of passion and purpose where they made the world better. You know, Taya, when I visit with you, you have such radiance, a joy, a, a beautiful smile, and I think about the pain and the agony that you went through, first of all, your husband does four tours of intense combat. Right. Unbelievable heroism. Yeah. He came back. You had to watch him sort of rebuild his life from all of that he had seen and been a part of. And it looked like things were going to get back to normal. Yeah. And then he gets murdered. Yeah. He survives all those combat missions and gets killed by a veteran who, for reasons we'll never fully understand. Right. How did you get through that? You know, there is this truth to the Bible where it says your trials and tribulations will bring great joy. And I always thought that was crap. I'm like, really? I don't, I'm not really sure, <laughs> right? But then now that I've lived it, I see that it wasn't just Chris's murder. There was so many other betrayals and hardships and abuse and things that were coming at me from all different angles at the same time. And now that I've survived that and I've seen that my faith has gotten me through that, I go, what's not to smile about? Because nothing really can hurt me. I mean, if that happened and God saw me through all of that, not just Chris's murder, but Chris's murder was the biggest thing and then everything else piled on top. If God can see me through that, then I have nothing to fear. There are a lot of people out there who are going through things and they wonder, can they ever come back? Right. Will there ever be resilience in their lives? Right. That's the hope that you have shared with people. Yes, and that's in that story, I'm glad you say that because in this book, there are so many stories of people that you hear their, their path and you go, there's no way, how did that happen to them? And my heart breaks for them as I mm. read the story, but then you see how their resilience changes because of the hardship and they come out realizing they were stronger than they ever thought. I think it shows you that for everyone in every hardship, because we'll all have hardship, there is something that will come out of it if you let it and it will be resilience, it'll be strength, it'll be faith if you invite that in. Everything will be better, but 
nobody wants to go through the hard time, I wouldn't either. I'd change it still, even though I'm stronger and better for it. You know, Taya, uh, you, you met dozens of people and wrote about them in the book, but was there, was there one that just stands out that really got to you? One that really got to me was, um, it's Heroes and Horses, and it's this guy, Micah Fink. And I think what got to me is his poetry in this journey from, you know, starting out in New York, and he sees the Twin Towers go down, and then he signs up for the military, he ends up being a SEAL. And then the trauma and, and hardship that he faces, he takes this fascinating journey through jungles, and, and he starts seeing beauty in like a flower that's growing in his yard. I mean, it's, there's so many things that are unfolding in that story. And in the end, he ends up taming wild Mustangs and bringing, in Montana, and bringing other warriors out and saying, there's something you have to connect with this raw man and beast part of you in order to heal. You have to connect with this bigger part of life. And I, that just, I love that story. Your remarkable story, uh, Clint Eastwood did a masterpiece of yeah, putting American Sniper, the movie together. And then the book, American Wife, that, that you wrote. And this one may be the best of all, American spirit, because it's just so encouraging. We need to be reminded that there are really, really wonderful people yeah. all around us if we just look for them. I agree. We need this. Thank you. Taya, thank you so much. What a blessing to have you. you with us. Thank you. So thankful that Taya continues to carry on Chris Kyle's legacy through her work as a military veterans family activist. All right, Keith Bilbrey, why don't you tell the folks how to get Taya's book and stay in contact with her? Well, glad to, Governor. You can order your copy of The American Spirit at Amazon or your favorite bookseller. And you can stay up to date on her efforts for veterans and their families by following her at Taya Kyle. Still to come on this 4th of July weekend, we've got high-flying trapeze artist duo Transcend. Plus, Wink Martindale honors our flag. And Lee Greenwood sings the timeless song, God Bless the USA. And welcome back to our 4th of July special. Hey, Keith, you know, we have had so many entertaining acts on this stage over the past three years. I wonder, is there one that maybe comes to mind for you? Oh, I think without a doubt. Uh, Tice and Mary Nielsen, uh -huh. remember them? Yeah, oh, yeah. Better known as Duo Transcend. They took uh, to the air high over our audience was absolutely breathtaking. It truly was. I, I think that's probably all the introduction that this next performance needs, other than I remember we were both scared to death. Yeah. They were gonna let loose and hit both of us. That's right. <laughs> I remember that part too. Here we go.
Let's hear it for Duo Trendset. Wow. <laughs> oh, my soul. Mary, Ty, it's great to have you guys here. I, I mean, you prove that you really trust your husband. I do. <laughs> you better. I don't know what I did to deserve it, but. I tell you what, you better always hope that he's in a good mood, right? I know, right? <laughs> wow. I mean, we're just spellbound by what we've just seen. Oh, thank you thank so you much. You guys really met cliff diving? We yes. did, yeah. So you knew you were destined for danger. <laughs> yes, it started with danger and it continues with danger. So it, uh, it's just part of our life. I see you do this and I know you've done it many times. The question that comes to my mind, what were you thinking the first time you did that? <laughs> you know, we were young. It was, it was fun. And then it turned into a job. And so we're like, man, I guess we better just keep this going. Yeah, and what's, uh, what's fun is we get to work together and travel the world together. Uh, you know, Tyson, I know you come from a family of acrobats, people yes. who have done this. Your background was musical theater. Did your parents say to you, honey, we love you, please? He might drop you on your head. Did they tell you that? Well, luckily, my parents really love Tice a lot. And they my must. mom has said multiple times, he's the only one that she trusts enough to do this with me. I want us to give another really big hand to Duo Transcend. Thank you, guys. Well, I've got to ask you, Governor, did you even give a thought to joining them up there for an acrobatic moment. Mm. I'm like, Pete, that. I got to tell you something. The only high flying that I do is safely tucked in a passenger jet. Uh -huh. So why don't you right now just tell our viewers how to learn more about Tice and Mary? I think that's a safe choice. All right. You can see more amazing acrobatics by Duo Transcend by visiting their website, maryandtice.com. You can also follow them on social media at Duo Transcend. Now, if you get the chance to see those folks live, don't you dare miss it. Promise they won't fall on you. Next, America's favorite game show host, Wink Martindale, honors the American flag and what it stands for. Then the great Lee Greenwood performs. It's all right here on Huckabee. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Well, from grilling out to flashy fireworks, we've got the news that'll make you shout U.S. yay on a segment we call In Case You Missed It. And welcome to our Independence Day weekend edition of In Case You Missed It. This is the day that we take the time to remember when actor Will Smith saved us, saved us all from outer space aliens. Oh, wait, I'm, I'm mixing my history with Hollywood somehow. It was actually because we were too cool for British rule. And I don't know about you folks, but I kind of like my coffee hot, my cream cold, and my tea in Boston Harbor. America's got a truly unique and memorable day that celebrates our decision to go it alone without King George and the British crown back in 1776. I mean, how many other countries turned the stories of their founding fathers into Broadway musicals? And successful ones at that. 
You know, the great humorist and writer Irma Bombeck had a fun and practical take on the fourth. She said, you have to love a nation that celebrates its independence every July 4th, not with the parade of guns, tanks, and soldiers who file by the White House in a show of strength and muscle, but with family picnics where kids throw frisbees, the potato salad gets a little iffy, and the flies die from happiness. You may think you've overeaten, but it's patriotism. Or as I like to say it, let's party like it's 1776. Uh, we miss you, Irma. But we know that you're finding moments to make people laugh and smile up there in heaven. Okay, while it only began in 1972, Coney Island's hot dog establishment, Nathan's Famous, has been hosting a 4th of July hot dog eating contest that has become so big, I mean so big, it's broadcast live on ESPN. Yeah. Mm, they got nothing else, I guess. The reigning champ, Joey Chestnut, holds the world record for the most hot dogs eaten, 74 hot dogs. Mm. By the way, that rolls into about 21,000 calories. I'd say so. 21,000. Uh, mm. You know, Governor, I, I took a road trip with my German buddy, and when I actually accidentally dropped my hot dog out the window, he swung the car <laughs> around to go back and get it. That's when the whole trip really took a turn for the... Oh, worst. You didn't wow. do that. W-U-R-S-T. You know, worst. The most worst. loyal, kind, and noble of dog breeds is the hot dog. He's the only one who feeds the hand that bites him. That's very mm. true. Oh, Trey and Keith, I, I, I got to tell you, just stop. Yeah. Stop it. I mean, really. <laughs> we want to celebrate our nation this weekend, not lament its lack of good puns. And you've actually made me remember the story of a woman with a small dog sitting on a bench in a central park. The fellow across from her noticed the little dog began barking incessantly at him when he took out his sandwich. So he asked the lady, would you mind if I throw him a bit? Not at all, she said. So the fella picked up the little dog and tossed him over a wall. <laughs> oh, oh mm. terrible. <laughs> all right, let's get back to Joey Chestnut, because if eating 74 hot dogs at once isn't all American enough, he is also down 32 Big Macs at one time. Mm. By the way, that's two all-beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. <laughs> Man, I can barely get the description out, let alone ingest the 15.36 pounds. Wow. 15.36 pounds of what Joey Chestnut ate with those Big Macs. What does this guy weigh, I wonder? He's a little guy. That's what's crazy. He's not a big fat guy. He's a tiny little guy. That's, oh, wow. that's I don't understand it. He probably ate half his weight in Big Macs. <laughs> All right, we wouldn't be true, red, white, and blue, if we didn't end this segment without a few fireworks segments that just didn't go the way that the lighters and igniters had hoped they would go. So we finish, in case you missed it tonight, with a few fireworks fails set to some patriotic music. Well, just like a kid dropping a firecracker in a septic tank, 
we got to get out of here. But never forget, we read the news. Well, the first time our good friend, television personality, Wink Martindale, and his lovely wife, Sandy, dropped in, Wink presented a spoken word piece on the American flag that I think may be more important to hear now than ever before. I hope you'll listen to the words and remember what makes our nation a home for everyone. I Stand for Everyone is a patriotic anthem that serves as a corrective lens to see the world, ourselves, humanity, and our place in it just a little bit better. Now more than ever before, it's time to close the divide in our country to underscore just what we stand for. Every day I hear my father's voice say, the footprints we make are the stands that we take to bring our country together. I am the flag of our country. This truly is who I am. And when you pledge allegiance to me, remember the things for which I stand. I stand in reverence to the power above me. Stand for the underdog whose dream comes true. I stand to honor a great performance. I stand in awe of love in bloom. I stand for that kind of ambition that's a blessing and a curse. I stand for speaking strictly from the heart for better or worse. But first, first, I stand for those whose time was spent before they could spend their time. I stand for everyone who lost their place in line. Oh, I stand for kissing and a whole lot of hugging. Stand for the would-have-beens had they held on I stand for givers who know no limits. Stand in hope when hope is gone. I stand for the things you won't say when you don't want to hurt a friend. I stand for living life as if it will never end. But first, I stand for us who put our trust in the hands of God's design. I stand for everyone who lost their place in line. Oh, I stand for everyone who's felt the turn of the screw, for those who know rejection is just another point of view. I've saved a place in line for everybody still chasing their dreams or so it seems. I stand for the bold and the daring who spun out on dead man's curve. I stand in lieu of everybody who deserves to be heard. But first, 
I stand for those whose time was spent before they could spend their time. I stand for everyone. I stand for everyone. I stand for everyone who lost their place in line. Thank you. What a wonderful reminder from Wink Martindale. And here's one more from the author Henry Ward Beecher. He said, if anyone then asks me the meaning of our flag, I say to him, it means just what Concord and Lexington meant, what Bunker Hill meant, which was in short, the rising up of a valiant young people against an old tyranny to establish the most momentous doctrine that the world had ever known, the right of men to their own selves and to their liberties. May we keep working towards life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness until every American is full-hearted. Hey, Keith, what else do we have to look forward to tonight? Well, coming up next, it's the award-winning talents of Mr. Lee Greenwood when Huckabee returns. And we are back on our 4th of July special here on The Huckabee Show. Hey, Trey Corley, what was it like to play with the incredible Lee Greenwood? Oh, God, that was one of our favorite performances. We were actually just talking about that. Mm. What a pro. Gifted, incredible singer, but very, like, he knows everything about music. It was really cool. He is a great guy. I couldn't agree more about what a talent he is, and he's a dear friend. I want us to take a look back at our visit with Lee Greenwood. This audience absolutely loves themselves some Lee Greenwood. <laughs> Thank you. You know, and I can understand why. You have brought a sense of patriotism and pride to so many Americans. Uh, not a political thing, but just a, a love of country. Well, you know, I love the country. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm a farmer from Sacramento, California. And um, I was uh, taught some early lessons by my grandparents who raised me. Yeah. And uh, about taking care of your neighbor and do what's right. You know, your handshake is your word and those kind of things. I'm very familiar probably from Arkansas. Yeah. I just when I... Uh, I spent a lot of years in Nevada. I don't know if you know that. I was 20 years there. I was actually a dealer in the casinos as well as a musician, writer, and I played in all of the uh, shows. I worked with the Rat Pack and, uh, you know, the, the famous people of Vegas years. And, but when I moved to Tennessee, it was a whole different thing. And, and I never lost that feeling inside my head that um, in addition to the country music course that I sang and I fit into the Nashville community after so many years in the West Coast, and started touring around the, and seeing what a beautiful country it was because I had never left really the uh, the West Coast. Yeah. Coming to Nashville 
then, and touring as an artist. And then suddenly I was thrown in this place where you get adoration all the time. But when I wrote God Bless the USA, it was only one of, I think, maybe two dozen songs I'd written in my bus while I was touring. I was going to ask, the story is you wrote it on the back of your tour bus. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. And, and I actually had them install when I got my, I finally got my own bus. <laughs> I didn't have to lease one. We had a travel craft pulling a trailer and we stayed at 1311 Elm Hill Pike and somebody broke the antenna off my trailer. I said, I got to move. You know, so we finally moved to a place where I could protect it. And then we leased a bus for a while. And then I bought a bus and we bought two buses and then three and two tractor trailers, production company. We got up to speed. But I said, I, in order to keep my mind on my music, I need to have a piano. I'm a piano player and a sax player. And by the way, that guy's fabulous on the Thank saxophone. Thank you. PJ, there you go. It ain't so, bad when Lee Greenwood thinks you're good. So I want to come back. I want to come back and bring my saxophone and play with the band. Can I do that one night? Absolutely. Okay. So Aren't I, they terrific? So I, oh, yeah, they're all great. So I had my piano in, in, in a hinge on the edge of the uh, a stateroom where it was kind of tight there where you have your bed and where you sleep. And I would pull it up and sit it on my knees after we'd have a show and plug in my headphones so I wouldn't disturb the crew. And uh, so I, I wrote all my songs like that. And USA was interesting. It was a little different than the rest, but... Is it old to you? I mean, because everybody wants you to do it, but do you still get a little bit of a chill down your spine when you do that song and the audience just goes nuts? Yes. I'm glad to hear that. Yes. I think that's awesome that you do. Um, and not that I have other songs, of course, that I sing that I've written, and, and other songs I haven't written that I, that I know the audiences, that they love, because they yeah. bought an awful lot of records, so I know yeah. they're fans somewhere. Um, but uh, it depends, I think, on who's in the audience, particularly on our DOD USO tours, if I'm on an aircraft carrier or an, or an air base or an army base. Um, or, or just a, a, a large fan base that a lot, just wonderful Americans who love the country. And, and it's, it becomes very obvious the moment that, that the song begins, you know, that they are loving um, my tribute to, the, to our country. It still touches me every time. It, it's one of those songs you just have to believe is inspired and anointed. Uh, it, it's like God gave you that song to encourage America. And, and, you know, I think about that, but, I mean, you've had 35 Billboard chart-busting songs. You've had lots of number one songs. So it's not like you've had a one... You're not a one-hit wonder, for heaven's sakes. You've done dozens of things that have hit the top of the mm -hmm. charts. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's the one that... that first and foremost come to mind when they think about Lee Greenwood. Well, God bless USA, or if you want to call it Proud to be American, because I have a children's illustrated book called that, Proud to be an American, which is kind of the story of, of how I got started and, and, and a little boy who loves the country. I, uh, of all the songs that I've written and, and, and sang on stage, there is a little special meaning to that, and I believe you're right. And I've said that same thing that you said, mm. I believe God gave me that song. I, I truly do, and I think every American who hears it believes it. Let me tell you, that is one talented man and someone who truly loves our country. Now, you knew we were not going to end this show without a performance by Lee. So here's Keith to tell you about it. Well, be sure to visit Lee Greenwood's website for his latest music and how to see him when he visits your town. You can also purchase a Proud to be American t-shirt and hoodie. It's all at LeeGreenwood.com and you can follow him at the Lee Greenwood. Now, just 60 seconds from now, Lee Greenwood will perform the classic God Bless the USA right here on Huckabee.
We hope you have a wonderful 4th of July weekend. And to wind things up tonight, let's get back to Lee Greenwood and his performance of God Bless the USA. Thank you very much, Governor Huckabee. I dedicate this to all of our veterans, not just in this audience, but in your TV audience as well, who have served this country. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Cause the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me. And I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. From the lake to Minnesota To the hills of Tennessee Across the plains of Texas From sea to shining sea From Detroit down to Houston New York to L.A. There's pride in every American heart And it's time we stand and say There ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Oh, and I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the men who There ain't no doubt